Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast. My name is Mike Delashmud, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Mr. Miles Hall. I <laughs> uh, hope everybody's doing well as we uh, blaze into uh, 2020 November, almost through the year. So uh, we've got a bit of a special episode for you here today. Um, we are interviewing Nissan Royalty. Um, we've got an interview with Diane Cray Wesley, famous for the Ken and Mary commercials. Her face was synonymous with the fourth generation Nissan Skyline commercials of the 70s. Uh, these were groundbreaking at the time and helped Nissan carry into a new generation of consumers. Uh, but Mike, you got anything to add on this one? To give you more information about the Ken Mary Skyline, this is specifically the fourth generation Skyline that was produced between 1972 and 1977. The Ken Mary is, uh, for everybody, the fanboy's dream. And I think that of all the generations of Skyline, this is one of the most sought after generations due to the effects of the oil crisis that took place in the 70s. The Ken Mary Skyline, or more specifically, the GTR version of the Ken Mary, was only produced very few. Actually, less than 200 of them were produced uh, in this time. And for that reason, these cars are highly sought after. You'll see these cars in auction run for huge numbers, and, and rightly so. The Ken Mary Skyline is one of those cars that you'll see, if you're lucky, once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime. Unless you know somebody, these cars are really hard to, to get your hands on or to, to see in person. Diane was nice enough to come on the show and talk about her experiences uh, during that era. Please enjoy this interview with Diane Cray Wesley, a.k.a. Mary. Diane, welcome to the Nissan Nerd Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, be with us. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. So you were in a number of commercials throughout uh, this campaign of Nissan and, and specifically with the Skyline in the early 70s, early and mid 70s. And to start things, I wanted to ask when these commercials were being shot, uh, you were, was it a teenager around this time? Yeah, I was still in high school still in high school and this these all took place in japan that's right in <laughs> japan i'm wondering you know uh how did you end up in japan were you born there uh well um my father was in the air force and he was actually stationed in japan in 1960 and um he, we were there for four years in the military and he was State, sent back to the States here in California, where I live now, for four years. During that time, he went to Vietnam for four years and decided, I've had enough of this. So he gave up his commission, got out of the Air Force, and went to work for World Airways. They sent us back to Japan. And after a year, he got a, a job with uh, Japan Airlines, JAL. And so we were there for another six years. So total, I think we lived there 10 years. The second wow. time we were civilians, but I went to mili a, a military base for school, so so I could speak English. Like, <laughs> not, I don't speak Japanese. Uh, that must have been a really, I, I mean, I don't know any else word, like a really magical time. I'm just trying to think about, you know, this is Japan in the 70s. What kind of impressions did you get about Japan at that time? Oh, wow. I love Japan. In fact... Japan is like home to me. We, all, My siblings and I all get really homesick when we see stuff about Japan or look at pictures. Um, we were, you know, we were gaijin and mostly on base. Um, but we we went all over the place and, and we were kind of, we would raise a stir because my, I had blonde hair, my little sister had blue eyes and you know, people would gather around to look at us in those days. And a lot of people wore the traditional clothing. And it was just, it was different. It was fun. And people were so nice. 
and so interested. And um, just learning a new culture, like taking your shoes off at the door, is totally ingrained in us. We'd still take our shoes off at the door everywhere we go. <laughs> you you had an opportunity in high school to, and let me see if I got the story right here. Um, you had a boyfriend at the time. Yeah, that was a yep, model. I had a boyfriend. Now, hold, let, now, and let me just say, let's let's put that in perspective. You're a young gaijin in a uh, a Japanese high school, and you're dating a model. Nope. I'm a, I'm a young gaijin going <laughs> to an American school on base, uh-huh. dating an American boy um, who was going to school on base. We were both American kids. But he got a job with a modeling agency that specialized in the foreign kids. It was Eddie Arab Model Productions. And he hired foreign kids to do um, commercials and and advertising. And he rode a motorcycle? No, we... (laughs) Where do you get these stories? I I hope you can edit I hear rumors and stuff, and I'm just trying to see. (laughs) As a concern, concern parent myself... I want to make sure yeah. that you were, uh, I'm like a concerned was... father in the 1970s. <laughs> well, you know, being in Japan was different, too, because there was hardly any crime. I mean, I could ride the train at 1 o'clock in the morning or whenever it closed, and nobody would bother me. I mean, the only thing you ever saw maybe was somebody drunk and falling down and crying or something, but... There was no crime that nobody was stabbing anybody or shooting anybody. There were no guns. I mean, it was a much safer place to be. And my parents were comfortable with sending me on jobs on the train by myself. I could go meet my, but I did usually have a manager who came with me to translate. So there was an adult usually with me, a Japanese person who worked for Eddie. And they would come on the jobs and they would translate and then they'd be there in case, you know, something went wrong or anything happened. So, yeah. How did the job go? How did you get into the, uh, how did this job fall in your lap, so to speak? Okay. So he, this boyfriend, I went with him on one of his commercial films and he brought, he brought his, his friend and me, a guy, and they decided, oh boy, two more Americans, we'll put them in the commercial. It was a Honda motorcycle commercial, and some Japanese people, we went to a college, so it looked like we were all college students, and some people drove by on their motorcycles, their Honda motorcycles, and these Americans went, hey, wow, and waved and said, oh, neat, look at that, motorcycles, and that was in the commercial. So I signed up for I signed up with the agency after that, so I actually got in a commercial and then signed up for the with the agency. And they took pictures and put them in a book, and then people would look in the book and decide if they'd like to have me do something for them. So you kind of got noticed there, and then from there, kind of led into the uh, the headshots and and kind of making these auditions to to get into other commercials. Actually, the only commercials I ever auditioned for was the Skyline. The rest of them, they just pretty much looked at the book and said, let's get her for the gum thing. But I I did all kinds of still picture kind of magazine articles. Um, One was for, it was called Friendly Yours. It was a teeny bopper magazine. And um, we went different places and I held a bunny or we walked in front of the castle in tokyo or different things like that um i wore cute clothes (laughs) whatever (laughs) so so you said there were auditions this was the skyline commercial was the only one that had auditions the skyline commercial was the only one i didn't audition for and all i remember doing was i went in sat down and they took a picture of me they took pictures a bunch of pictures and did a, a a film of me just sitting there and then we sat and talked I didn't talk I didn't know what they were saying but I sat and was polite and um, they called me back and I was hired can you remember what your first day on the job kind of felt like were you nervous (laughs) what was going on with that Yeah, I was I was 
like really, I, I was confused because I thought, how did I get here? And um, yeah, I was kind of nervous because, I mean, people would be talking around me. I didn't know what they were saying. But yeah, the first day I met my co-star was the first commercial film we did. And it was, it only took one day to film and we couldn't, we couldn't understand each other. So we just kind of, you know, fake talked to each other and kind of babbled and waved our hands and, and said, uh-huh, all right. And we're walking down some stairs towards the car and they're talking about the new Nissan Skyline. So <laughs> it's probably the day we met or something. The day we met was the, probably supposed to be the day we met. <laughs> it's actually authentic. It really is. And that's one thing I noticed about the commercials is that there is a like a soundtrack over the all the shots that they have. There's there's right. no speaking parts, and I I was wondering right. whether that was whether that was meant to be artistic or just something about the the language uh, barrier or. I don't really know, but I do know <laughs> that the commercials before that were more about horsepower and RPMs and how fast you could go and what kind of engine and transmission and blah, blah. And then this one was, this campaign came out. It was, it was the first time they ever did a story. And I, the story was two young, happy people go fun, beautiful places in their fancy schmancy, really sporty car and have a wonderful time. So they were selling the lifestyle um, through... I, <laughs> Through your smile? Yes. Fly like the wind in this beautiful car and fall in love. Oh. Oh. So oh. <laughs> well, that's how Mike got me, so. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Moving on. So, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you know, obviously your co-star, um, Ken, uh, that was Jimmy Zanai. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, now, Jimmy, first impressions? He was sh cute and shy and, and, you know, a good actor and friendly and had a good sense of humor because he knew a couple words in English. He knew crazy and stupid, I think. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> All the bad words of, like, like the rest of us do in other uh, languages. He didn't say any cuss words to me, but he probably knew them as far as, you know, as far as it goes. I'm sure he did know some American cuss words. But, uh, yeah, he just he just seemed like a really cute kid. He was younger than me. Uh, and, and, Jimmy, you said there was a, different languages. Was was it Japanese for him, or was he uh, a... He spoke uh, Japanese, yep. He was, okay, okay. And over the years, uh, we, we learned more things, and... Uh, I learned how to say shut the shut the door, shut the window. And I had asked him in the middle of we're sitting in the bus. We had a bus and the, the film crew was there and he was getting off the bus and it was freezing. I said, please shut the door in Japanese. And everyone freaked out. <laughs> that I spoke fluent Japanese the whole time and I've just been, you know, spying on them for the whole time. I don't know what they but they did. They freaked out. I got taken for a walk by my manager. Well, well no, what was that? You spoke Japanese. Perfect accent. How? What? What are you doing? Did you know Japanese all along? And I said, I only know how to say shut the door. <laughs> or where's the bathroom? So. And you had said that there was a, a length of time where these commercials were being filmed. Was it over a span of a year, or did y'all do all of them at a certain within a you know a couple of weeks, or did they ask you to come back for more commercials? Like, how did that work? Well, I they asked me to sign a two year contract, so I signed a two year contract to work with them for two years. And um, during that time, they did a lot of still still pictures that they put in their advertising magazine book that they kept at dealerships, and um, they. I don't even remember how many commercials we did. I'm not sure. But those usually took about a week on location wherever we went. We we did actually get to go to Okinawa one time, and we went to Alaska one time. And um, I I could have I could have signed another contract, another two years, but my I just it just 
I was really sad when Jimmy died, and I just didn't think I could do it. I thought I'd be too emotionally. Oh. And wrecked. Jimmy, and Jimmy passed away in 1975 from a motor vehicle ac- or a motorcycle accident. Correct? He crashed. He crashed on his motorcycle. Oh. It was it was surreal. It was unbelievable. I think out of how you mentioned, like out of respect or just for the, for, uh, again, I, no matter what, there's, there's always a chemistry that you have with anybody, regardless of language or, or anything. So I totally can understand, uh, to, we to, were uh, friends. to pass. Yeah. We were friends by then. I felt like a big sister to him actually. And I just, yeah, it was tough. I felt really sad about it. I'm sure I I might have been able to overcome. I probably could have done it, but I I kind of felt like it was a betrayal to him. Does that sound crazy? That makes sense. Well, it's a, you never know if you're going to have the same chemistry with the next person that comes on and and so forth. But right. yeah, taking it back to the good times, um, yeah. you know, yeah. before this all occurred, um, did he? You know, when did you did you <laughs> ever feel that there was a sense of fame coming from this or notoriety that, that you were getting in Japan? Like, were people noticing you and, uh, when you were going out or, or at school? Um, people knew us when we were together. They would mob us. In fact, it was kind of scary a couple times. Oh. We were at the train station. I thought we were going to get pushed in front of a train once. I mean, the girls were just they'd and, and flock and and one time we were getting on an elevator and people, everybody was trying to get on and there was some poor little kid getting squished. And <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, it could be a little bit, a little bit scary, but always amazing. The, I, I just was always amazed that anybody was so excited about seeing us, you know what I mean? And him, he, I could see because he was, he played in a soap opera and was really popular. He had he'd done a lot of other stuff. So, but if I was by myself, I didn't get recognized very often. Um, I know one time my friend, we were at a concert. My friends told someone, and I got mobbed that time too. I, <laughs> we, I, it was like the Beatles Help movie where I, I'm running, you know, and this big mob of people. I climbed up on a wall and sat up on the wall because it was I was getting squished and and gave autographs and people were handing little girls were handing me presents and it was just it's sweet as can be and just like kind of blows your mind like what? So the fame was real. The fame was real (laughs) in Japan. Real. Then I'd go to school on Monday morning and it would be like just school. I tried to keep to myself. I was kind of shy to to. It sounds strange, but I was I was really kind of a shy person. Did your classmates kind of uh, treat you differently, or after a while, just kind of it became normal to them that oh yeah, she she does the commercials. So was it more casual over time, or did even at school would you get any type of wanted or un, any unwanted uh, attention on it? I got some not uh, yeah, kind of some unwanted attention from the cheerleaders. They they didn't like me, and I I just kind of avoided them. I tried to avoid them, uh, but I did have a couple of really good friends, and that you know I just kind of hung out with them and mind my, my own business. But I know my <laughs> my brother said that he was famous for being Mary's brother, and that he would. People would offer him rides home just so maybe they would get to meet Mary, you know. And my Hi. my dad, who worked for Japan Airlines, he was Mary's father. And so, yeah. <laughs> Man, they got a lot of mileage. They got a lot of mileage out of that. Good for them. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> was there ever a time at the dinner table when you, like, show up in sunglasses and go, listen, I made you or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have worked. I would have done it. But I kind of. I was kind of the boss anyway, because I was the oldest kid, and I just bossed everybody around anyway. So, yeah, yeah, I should I should have tried that. I never thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> like getting back to the commercials, just real quick, I had two questions. Y'all were always so fashionable, and I think you mentioned that earlier. the The clothing was obviously so, so trendy, and was that were those clothes just your personal clothes, or did they have? just a a rack for you to 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 pull from well the only clothes that were mine were in the accidental honda commercial but 
they um, usually tried to get clothes in my size for whatever they wanted. And sometimes it was funny because, well, she's American. She's going to have huge feet. And they made a they made a calendar with a whole bunch of locations. And there's one where we're golfing. And if you look at the shoes I'm wearing, they're about twice as big as my actual feet. But usually the clothes fit. They were pretty good. And we also had a seamstress. And they could sew you into your clothes and make them fit. But... Once Mary and Ken got popular, they actually hired a famous designer to make clothes for me. Yeah, you had your own uh, clothesline. I actually have a sweater. I'm not saying you have any control over the price of a a (laughs) sweater from 1970s, but the pricing on some of this stuff is insane. Like, there's a huge collection market for the Ken and Mary clothing stuff. I wish I had Ken and Mary clothes. They pretty much collected it when we were done. Um, it was, I just, there's this one beautiful white dress I wanted so bad. And there was nothing I could do to get that dress. Nothing. Oh. If it comes up I on know. eBay, me and Mike, we'll see what we can do. We'll well, reach I out. Yeah. On my one leg now or hanging <laughs> it on my walk. I had gotten rid of a bunch of shoes that I had, that I bought in Japan because, um, they were in a box and they had gotten moldy and, I kind of wanted to keep them, but my husband goes, they have mold. And I said, all right, throw them away. Mm. My mom was standing there, and she goes, but they're her life. So he teased me about that for years until he found out about Mary, and now he's kicking himself in the butt because you could get mold off. (laughs) (laughs) All I had was shoes. I I had a box full of shoes that I had worn, and that would have maybe been something. I don't know. But... uh, yeah, no, they were very, very, very protective of their clothing. They took everything back. And um, I, I couldn't figure that out. You know, I thought, oh, that's weird. Who else is going to fit this exactly? Because not very many Japanese have my shape. Maybe they're as tall as I am, but um, I have no idea where, where those original clothes from the calendar are. I hope they still exist somewhere. You had the clothes. And obviously, from time to time, you had the car. What did you think about the car? I, I loved the car. I usually got put in the back seat when we were going somewhere, and um, they smoked a lot. So I was usually car sick, which <laughs> doesn't really make you happy to be in a car, whatever car it is. But um, I really the 70s. got to The 70s, everybody smoked in the 70s, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And um, both of us, neither one of us was old enough to drive. You had to be 19. So so even uh, in the background or nobody would try to hand you the keys and go, hey, you know. This... You. No. Oh. You were telling me. I don't, you know what? I don't even know if I sat in the driver's seat. He did. Oh, my it. God. We got to remedy that. We got to make that happen. Yeah. You're, you're over here putting their kids through college and they won't give you the keys to the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I learned how to drive on the left side of the road, you know, and shift gears with my right hand. And oh, wait, no, my left hand. I used to shift with my, I learned how to shift with my left hand. And I drive, I have to drive with the shift with the right hand now. When we moved back, we moved back here to the States. I knew how to drive because I took driver's ed on base. But every time I made a left turn, it was hard because I often go to the left side of the road. And one time I had traffic coming at me fast. And so I had to pull into a gas station so as not to have a head-on collision. So, yeah, you had to get used to it. So let's talk a little bit about the fame of this whole scenario. Obviously, you had a great experience of it. But did you really think? that the fame was going to be as big as it is and be as lasting as it is. Cause people to this day, I guess like ourselves occasionally reach out to you and want you to, uh, to maybe have a conversation or have an interview. Cause I know you just did an interview a while back with, um, I think it was maybe road and track or something. They'd reached out to you. Is that right? Probably. I don't remember. <laughs> and if I write it down, I lose the paper I wrote it on. But, you know, I, it's not good. But I do need a manager, but I don't have one. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, had no clue. No clue. Even when we were there and being mobbed by little girls, I figured it was him, you know. And then someone told me, well, the emperor knows who you are. And that just kind of floored me. I thought, no, he doesn't. But he, I guess he did. Because, you know, that was Hirohito. I I wish I could talk to him someday, but. (laughs) (laughs) But you, uh, you had lasting power. I mean, if you think about it, you, you and I had a conversation uh, before this interview about um, a friend of yours had brought up the fact that all the popularity of the Ken and Mary stuff continued on way past the seventies. And you and I mentioned that I think there's like anime and comic books about the Ken and Mary lineage, even, even past the seventies. Right. I would love to see that. Yeah, my my brother came in one time for we were Thanksgiving or something. And he goes, I saw you on YouTube. And I'm like, uh oh, one of my students must have videotaped me when I was yelling at the class to sit down and shut up. No, but um, it was a commercial from Glegle Maru. So I wrote to Glegle Maru. It was on YouTube. And I said, hey, where'd you get this? I used to be Mary. And that's. And then it went from there. That's when Jeff Koch saw that on YouTube, the comment. And so he found a way to get a hold of me through Facebook. And he called. And that was my first interview. I had no idea anybody remembered me. But (laughs) I was so surprised. And then I had an old boyfriend call. And he said, oh, you're a legend in Japan. You're still a legend in Japan. Because he still lives there. And I thought, oh, you liar. You know? It is true. You really do. I mean, we... I had um, I, what is the famous comic book district that's there in the anime? It's the I don't know Akihabara maybe if I remember correctly. Um, some of that all goes together, especially when you drink a little too much. And uh, that you know the the Japanese our Japanese experiences are always different because everybody's always so nice and um, they're always like oh come over here and then next thing you know you're drinking and it's like oh I forgot everything past six o'clock that day it was just like oh my God. but I do remember Akihabara and he is right we happen to find these like hobby shops that that only deal in like car magazines and transportation yeah. stuff and you had your own like little section um, when oh. I was there we were buying magazines I, I think I actually picked up one myself. Oh my but god! You come up all the time in the nostalgic uh, magazines. You, you, there'll be a mention of the Ken and Mary line. You'll come up from time to time. I wouldn't be surprised after this uh, podcast if people know that you're willing to do interviews. Wow. You'd be surprised. We were in Japan. What five years ago? Four years ago? And went to Akihabara. I had no idea I could have looked around and found myself. That would have been interesting. You yeah. and I talked about a cartoon. Uh, that just came out a few uh, years ago, right? No, I. This has been a while. I after I found out Mary was interesting to people, I went online and I just Googled Ken and Mary, and there was a, a it was a cartoon, a, like a com- comic book drawn cartoon that how Ken met Mary, and I guess Mary was a waitress in a bar, and Ken just got off the train and it was raining and he was tired and sad and exhausted and went into the bar and sat down and Mary was nice to him and friendly and brought him a drink. And then after he asked her if he could walk her to the train and she said, Oh, that would be nice. So he walks her to the train and says goodbye at the train. And that's that. And I thought, what was that? Who wrote that? I want to see that again. (laughs) You know, I didn't bookmark it or anything. I didn't know how to do stuff like that. I didn't print. I I should have because it was interesting. I wondered if it was supposed to be us, the Ken and Mary. It kind of looked like it, but you just never know. If I find it, we'll send it to you, and maybe we'll oh, get the uh, okay. maybe we'll get the author to send you something on it. Maybe I <laughs> would get it signed. That. I if it wasn't for my, my friend Jeff Koch, I don't know how much of this would be going on because people contacted him after that to find out about me. And then we got invited to a car show in the Bay Area, Ivan Harasuka. He has his own shop now. He's promised I could drive his car someday. And uh, I went to that. And then we went, oh, and some people from high school came by that. It was like just crazy. So, yeah, it's, it just kind of ballooned out. You know, we had uh, a friend of ours, uh, Josh from JDM Legends. We had him on a while back. And we were like, yeah, I mean, one of these days we're going to have Diane on 
whenever we could, you know, uh, get it all together. And he was like, yeah. and I just was, I was talking to him about it. And he just goes, I love her. And I, was and like, I love <laughs> him. And I love his cats. <laughs> and his girlfriend. I love them. <laughs> Small world, man. Yeah, he couldn't say enough good things about you. So He went to the car show we didn't go to, of course. So, dang it. But yeah, we're planning on going back to Japan, my husband and I. He's he's scared of traveling. Not really scared. He doesn't want to. You know, he's like, uh, germs, people, ah. But when we got to Japan, he said the minute he got off the plane, he felt really comfortable. He's and he's one of those guys that's always uptight, nervous about, oh, where do we gotta go? How long's it gonna take? <laughs> and he just loved it there. Loved it. If we could live there, we would. Take them to like the cat cafe or something in Akihabara where you just drink coffee and sit down and cats just walk across your lap or something. It's like yeah. you're locked in a room with like 30 cats. It was that. interesting. He wants to do that. He wants to go where the girls dress up and walk across your lap. He wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about real cats, but yes, that is also available oh, in Japan. That's also, everything's available in Japan. I'm just saying. <laughs> How often do you get to Japan then? Well, we've been we've been twice because we went to uh, Long Beach, the car show, and they had a whole bunch of Nissans, and I, I said hello to the crowd, and people came by and got autographs, and we went around and looked at people's cars. It was really cool, and I met I met um, the man who has the restored shop in Japan. Um, oh my gosh, I've just gone my uh, mind. Rocky Auto. Well, I met Rocky Otto, but not that time. I met him the next time. It's um, Inoue and, mm. um, oh, my gosh. My mind just went completely blank. There, we've um, been hitting you with a lot of powerful questions and a lot of emotions. <laughs> Shoji, Shoji Inoue, Inoue-san, Shoji, and he owns Star Road. Seiji Inara, he owns Restored, Restordo. They're both geniuses. Seiji built a, a skyline with um, an, elect an electric skyline. So the, we love those guys, and we always go to see them when we're there. So, You know, I was wondering, too, because at that time, of course, this is all before the Internet kind of just spread information, you know, all over the world. The fact that you were Mary in this campaign, was this sort of like your, your little secret that you would choose to tell people? Or was this like something that you would uh, uh, only tell certain people? Or uh, how did that work? Yeah, it was my little secret. secret. It was secret. <laughs> and I don't tell nobody because <laughs> I didn't think anybody would believe me. And I also, like I said, I was kind of shy. I thought, I'm not going to go around... It'll be like bragging, kind of. And I thought, they'll think I'm lying. And then if I show them, they'll think I'm bragging. And then they won't like me anymore. I mean, if my friends wanted to tell people that was okay. But I didn't even, I didn't tell my husband for years. Interesting. Until the, yeah. Mm. I told, a little, I a little bonus for him. It's like finding <laughs> out you married the prom queen. It's like, you were the prom queen? Man. You were the the prom queen? What? It's like yeah. that investment that finally pans out. He's like, man, I thought I was just marrying you for the pancakes, yeah. but look at this. <laughs> I know people said to him, did you know she was this famous? And he goes, no idea. I had no idea. No, he just thought I was a cute teacher going around in circles because it was my first year <laughs> teaching. Yeah. And I Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to marry a model. My wife married me because I was a hand model, and I can tell you that for sure. Right now, of course, All I'm the right. before. Uh, I'm the Ooh. before hand model. Yeah, oh, you're the model. before hand model. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the after. Yeah. I make everybody else look good. That's what it is. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings up a good point too. So you know, after your your time in Japan and and with this campaign. What happened afterwards? So you came back to the States, and uh, obviously you said you went to college. I mean, uh, what's life been like for you since? Well, when um, the energy crisis hit, I think it was 73, the Japan Airlines started, um, like, firing all of their foreign pilots. Hmm. So my dad 
my dad lost his job and we came back to California where he had a house. We owned a house here and he applied to a whole bunch of other airlines. But it was um, it was during the recession, I think, when we were lining up for gas and there were no jobs anywhere. So for a little while, there was no one in my family who had a job. And then um, I found a job at Mr. Steak. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mr. Steak, but I don't think they're in business anymore. But I got a waitress job and was really excited. I was the only one who had a job for a little while. And then um, I just kind of liked waitressing. And I did that for 16 years, which I feel like I probably wasted a lot of time there. I met people. I got to make money. I worked at a nice steakhouse. And and um, I actually made more money doing that than my first three years of teaching. But so the whole time I'm working as a waitress, I'm taking like one college class at a time. I wasn't I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I so I got a, I got an AA in automotive technology. And then I went on to four year college and got a teacher's credential, which takes about six years usually. So I retired two years ago from teaching. What did you finish out teaching in? I uh, I taught special ed. I Look just at had you. That's awesome. Where my heart was. So my last my last few years, I worked as a resource specialist, which it's getting harder and harder and harder to be a teacher because they want you to go to college for twenty seven years and they want you to get a master's degree. And then they don't want to pay you a whole lot. California teachers get paid pretty good. But like my caseload started out at 15 kids and I ended up with 41 my last oh. year. Oh, wow. I just pile it. And it's a lot of legal stuff with the special ed and a lot of case writing. And it's almost like being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And besides you teach all day and you're, you're the cop, the counselor. And, you know, these kids have a lot of problems and you're trying to help them and it's just, it's really challenging. And I felt like I wasn't getting to teach anymore. It was more like just writing reports and having meetings. And so I decided to, it was time to go. And I feel so sorry for the kids, the, the kids, the people who are teaching now. It's, it's rough. They've got to do something. And you've been retired now for two years now? Yeah. Yeah. What's I've been retirement like? It's sleeping for two years. <laughs> I, I know I used to come home at five. I mean, I stayed at school till five. I left after the principal half the time. And then I come home, take a nap, and get back up and write reports till, you know, the wee hours and get up at six and go have a meeting. And then it was like, ugh. So, yeah, it, it's a joke, but I just, that's all I wanted to do when I retired. They say mm-hmm. your life starts when retirement starts. So... Do you want to do anything else? What else do you got your eye on? Well, you know, I thought about maybe doing some other kind of work, but I just, I can't make myself want to. So, I mean, I could, I could do tutoring or I could do something in the private sector. Or I could go part-time and, or I could go work at Crate and Barrel, you know, whatever. I just, I can't make myself want to do any of that stuff. I just want to yeah. work in my yard and hang out with the dog and, and go to Japan, and we went on a cruise to Mexico, and I think we, it's a secret, but we might, oh, I don't know if I should tell you. I'm going to, I think I'm going to take my husband on a cruise for our anniversary. Mm-hmm. Nice. Look at nice. But so it's basically, I just, I want to travel. I want to just do whatever I want whenever I want to. It's kind of like uh, our friend Steve Yeager. He's recently retired, and. What he told us, he's like, every day is Saturday. I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> then it's like I have one doctor's appointment in the middle of the week, and Saturday I'm saying, oh, God, I have that appointment on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I have to tell myself, you can make it for 20 minutes. You can make it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's been a number of years. What would you change if you had to? Right now? Anything anything about it. I mean, the experience and everything. What would you have done differently if you had a chance? You know what I would do? I would keep a meticulous diary of everywhere we went and everyone I met. Because I just, I loved the camera crew. I loved the people I worked with. And I don't know their names. I I don't know where they are. I would just 
adore being able to, you know, like send them a thank you letter for cracking me up that time by jumping through my window and scaring me. Mm-hmm. You know, just different. I just wish I had known where I was and who I was with. That's what I would change. Now, what if Nissan actually approached you, you know, over all these years and said, hey, we want to do something with you as a throwback, you know, maybe on an anniversary year for the for the GTR or something. What if they approach you? Would you still be interested in something like that? I'd totally do it for free if they just paid my way over there. <laughs> and let you keep the dress this time. Keep the dress, yeah. Let me keep the dress. I don't care about the dress anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you want the shoes. She wants the shoes, guys. Mike, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I've got a couple ones I was just thinking about. this. That particular generation of Skyline has been highly sought after, especially in, here in the United States because it wasn't sold here. You know, I think we know that. But, right. but but even in Japan, you know, these are sought-out cars. And because of that, there are auction prices that these cars, they go through the roof. You know, they're selling for, you know, I was just looking it up a little bit. Uh, like a, over a hundred thousand dollars, uh, and then even over four hundred thousand dollars just recently for one of the uh, the like GTR editions. Yep. And I just wanted, from, from your perspective, you know, you sat in these cars, you helped promote these cars. Did you ever think, even then, that these cars would be six figure so sought after? No way. I just can't. It's, you know, they're they're very cool cars, but I had no idea. I had no idea that people would just be so obsessed with them. I told my class one time, some of my students, that, you know, I used to be in TV commercials and I worked for a Skyline and I was marrying Nissan Skyline. And one of my kids just jumped out of his seat and said, Nissan Skyline can marry. Oh, my God. My dad's working on one. And I was just like, What? I was oh wondering about that too, because you had mentioned, you know, school and, you know, and that car is so popular with, with kids and, you know, even guys my age just for so long is that, yeah, those stories about students, when you finally tell them or they finally discover it, like how bad oh, yeah. do they flip out, you know? They flip out. And here's what they say because they're kids. Oh, Mrs. Wesley, you were so pretty. What happened? Oh. <laughs> I say, I started teaching school. <laughs> Good answer. I like that. Yeah. They were the only people that I really told about it. After I found out you could get it on YouTube, I, I told my kids. I didn't mind telling my kids, but I didn't really tell it. I didn't like to tell adults, but I told all the kids. Would it mean that they would actually listen to you in class after that or no? No. No. <laughs> Heck no. No. <laughs> So they did. They it did have a big cool factor, and they did like it a lot. And um, yeah, for some of them, yeah, it did make a difference. But you know, they are who they are. <laughs> I loved most of my kids. In fact, the ones that were really bad, the naughty ones, I, were the ones that I really liked the most. You're still dealing with all the bad boys in your life from yeah. <laughs> from your youth to now. <laughs> That's right. The bad boys. They're my they're my best boys. Yep. <laughs> I like that. Bad, bad boys are the best boys. I like that. Yeah. Bad boys are the best boys, hopefully. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, I was wondering, these are two questions that I, that I get, and these are probably going to be just dumb questions, but I'm going to go ahead and just ask them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the campaign, the two names, Mary and Ken, and when you say those really fast, it sounds like American, American. Was that right. something that was, I wanted to make sure that was something that obviously it was intentional. This is part of that theme that, that the marketing was trying to push. Is that right? I, yeah, because if you look at the one really popular commercial, I've got a red, you know, red, white, and blue striped hat, you know, visor and, and uh, our shirts are like football jerseys and, um, yeah, I know that at that time in the 70s, for some reason, the Americans were just really popular. They People wanted to do American stuff and eat American food and hamburgers and whatever. But yeah. um, in fact, they made up an interview with me. Uh, they, they had an interview and they said my favorite actor was um, Steve McQueen. My favorite food was hot dogs, and you know none of it. None of it was real, but 
it it fit, you know, it worked. It was it worked. okay. I didn't mind. I and I'll be honest, this is dumb, but I never realized the Mary Ken thing until Jeff Koch told me. Someone had to tell me as well. I just never really because it's always, always Ken Mary, Ken Mary, you know, when when yeah. you hear it. And then when you flip it, you're like, oh, okay, you know. That's... No, I had no idea. And they're very, and the Japanese are really good at that. They are really good at that. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Subtle. There's probably a lot that we don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> with as much that they wanted to have that American kind of vibe with the car, it's a shame they didn't sell it in the United States because I think I would, I would own one right now if, if, if they did. Yeah. I probably could have bought one, and but I wouldn't have been able to take it home. So I wouldn't, have, you know, there was no use even trying to buy one because you couldn't import them. But as soon as yeah. they, as soon as they let them come here, as soon as they could be street legal, then that's when the price just went. Phew! Yep, it's ridiculous. And my wow. husband keeps thinking he says it looks like he says it looks like a certain car here in America, but I didn't agree with him. Um, oh, it, well, I could see it being like Challenger esque, like from the day, you know, yeah. the old. But uh, it has that, you know, the sail panel in the quarter. I mean, it kind of has that, like a, uh, you know, especially the coupe. But um, yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe he's got a good point. He thinks it looks like a Barracuda. No, yeah, good point. Yeah, I, saw, well, I could see that too. Yep. yep. That makes yep. that makes a lot of sense. Well, we got to say it in American. Hey, Barracuda. So, Cuda. Got a cooter, got a cooter, Jimmy. Got the cooter. You know, I noticed in the advertisements, especially at the end of the commercials, the Mary Ken, y'all had y'all's own logo where it was y'all's mm -hmm. name in the umbrella. Mm -hmm. We did. And I was, I was wondering, what was, was there a significance about the umbrella or anything behind it that you know of? You know, I might have known the answer to that once. I'm not sure. Uh, I do know that we had a theme of beautiful nature. I think that came along like the second year. But it was to do with, you know, keeping the environment clean. And right after the war, outside was, in Japan, was dirty. People would throw their crap down and it was a big mess. Inside their houses was pristine, but outside was a mess. And they had this big campaign to clean it all up. And I think it was like a continuation of that into the modern time of keeping nature beautiful. Beautiful nature, they called it. And um, we handed out little garbage bags you could put in your car so you could throw your garbage in the bag. And um, I think the umbrella might have had something to do with the nature. Because I know it was, in, it was in the calendar a lot when we were in um alaska we it was raining actually and we used the umbrella in a couple of pictures so i'm pretty sure it had something to do with nature being one with nature being in tune with nature i'm not sure good question yeah. <laughs> thanks thanks I told you we're nerds <laughs> yeah <laughs> question. in fact someone made me a logo of just my name on the umbrella and it's on my my Mary page. My Facebook has a Skyline Mary page. I don't, I'm, I, I don't know what it's for, but he put it on there. I don't know what it's for. I have to find out now. I have to find out now. <laughs> <laughs> Message us. You've got our, you got our IMs, so we'll, uh, okay. we'll find out. So All we right. find any good, uh, good Mary uh, juice or product or something, some weird Japanese right. stuff. We'll let you know. You know, actually, I've been enjoying. Meeting people and talking to people, and they, I, I see they're so excited about the car, and it gets me, it just warms my heart, and I don't, I don't mind meeting people and signing autographs and doing whatever, and I, you know, it's not for money, it's just for the love of that, those people. There's, there's an impact that just, it's making waves in so many people's lives that, you know, things are going to happen years and decades from now that spawn from those those moments that you created for them too so thank you for that that's so cool yeah i mean you're you're a part of history and i mean that's a huge that's a huge deal especially in the nissan world because the family is so vast and so broad i mean it, it stretches across so many models so many years and so many libraries and to be part of that in your capacity i mean that that's that's an impressive thing and you should uh you should definitely uh, take a bow for something like that um, through uh -huh. all those years. 
Well, I, I did hear that I was a very easy, easy model to work with because I let them shave my hair off my ears and give me coffee with lemon in it and keep me up all night long. I didn't, I would never complain. I was always happy to be there. <laughs> Just give her some damn clothes from the, from the wardrobe. I swear to God. <laughs> I just want those shoes. <laughs> we could have paid you in shoes. <laughs> well on that note we're going to go ahead and wrap up the interview uh we'd All like right. to uh thank <laughs> thank diane for coming on here to the nissan nerd podcast um we it's hope an to, honor. Uh, <laughs> it was an honor to have you yes thank you can i be an honorary nerd i i think i already am one but you know i'd like I to think be you've the nissan nerd oh, yeah. i think you've earned it you've i think earned you it. have earned it thank <laughs> you so much Honorary nerd, Diane. All right. <laughs> We'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast with our special guest, Miss Diane Cray Wesley, aka Mary. Thanks for being our guest here today. And on that note, I think Mike, we are going to wrap this up. And to everybody, we say, "Kampai." Kampai. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast, hosted by Miles Hall and Mike Delashman. New episodes are released every other Monday and can be found on the podcast network of your choice. If you like what you hear, write us a review, give us five stars, and it would help us out a lot. You can find content added regularly to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, so be sure to like and follow. And lastly, you can contact us at info at NissanNerd.com. Let us share events happening in your area and provide us suggestions for future content on the Nissan Nerd Podcast.